This is the Roaring Elfin podcast for the 17th of November, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host who has been dumpster diving, barrel scraping, and doing all kinds of acrobatics to get good content for this news episode, didn't you? I did, <laughs> yes. We, the, a peek behind the curtain, we always start with, or not always, but we very often start with quite a sizable list of news articles that we bounce off of each other's heads and many, many articles uh, end up on the cutting room floor and do not make it past go, do not collect £200. And uh, yeah, we are left with the cream of the crop. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. That's one of the reasons I like the fact we're doing this with two people and not just one person because it's just when I... I read something, I think it's great, and I tell you, let's talk about this. You say, why? And I think, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and the same is true in the other direction. And I think some of the problem is that we 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 sometimes pick articles that we hate, which is which is not really a it's it's not really what we do on this podcast. We try to be positive about things when we're talking about them. But sometimes things just trigger us that we read, and uh, and we we kind of maybe there's a there's a chance for a um, roaring elephant after dark podcast, which is just us <laughs> ranting about things that we hate. <laughs> you, you've been talking about doing a patron only show for a while. We've been thinking of what we could do, and we do try to keep this positive and uh, safe for work and upbeat and good, and that does mean we have to. Uh, we don't lie about stuff, but we do kind of not mention things we do mention before we start recording. Let's call it that. So maybe that's this an true. idea of having this as a kind of more internal <laughs> protected space. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, no. <laughs> <clears throat> it's moving on, moving on into the the meat of the episode, and uh, so this is. The article itself is sort of bits of it are kind of interesting, but there's there's a few things. So this is a, um, a survey done of a thousand uh, CIOs and IT buyers, and there is there's some there's some sort of some serious I don't know time travel or <laughs> um, these people are clearly much more well informed than I am because they're they're predicting things that. I certainly would not be predicting if I was in that position. Uh, but so if we if we look at some of the some of the basics, the headline thing here is that they're sort of expecting, um, you know, the the numbers in terms of technology spending, unsurprisingly, are down throughout this year uh, by between four to five percent apparently. But they're expecting um, technology spend to be actually grow next year, probably not by a huge amount, but budgets are expected to grow um, up by about 2%. Now, what I don't understand, because there's no um, there's no sort of real detail around this, but they talk about a... Um, I, I don't know if that means that it's gone down by 4% and then it goes back up by 2%, so it's essentially still down by 2% over 
2019? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. I'm assuming that's... They say maintaining minus 5 to minus uh, 4 for 2020 and a growth of 2% in there. So that shouldn't still be down 2% then. Maybe. Yeah. I'm I, not... I've got I'm... a different boat to pick with this one. Cause yeah, go for it. They make a kind of a, a blanket statement here that all uh, IT spending has been down over t in the last year to, due to uh, the pandemic. And I don't think that's yeah. true across the board. I mean, if you look at Zoom, for instance, they've been growing spectacularly. So it's more of a... I'm not sure if you can call it the old style and the new style or the no, microservices, like not microservices, it doesn't matter. But there are two different versions here, and this is kind of blanket. Yeah, so the, there are certain industries have obviously been incredibly heavily hit. If you're in the hospitality and travel and leisure sort of area, you've probably had a pretty bad time of things and your tech spend has probably been absolutely gutted. If you've been involved in any sort of business that is online focused or remote working focused or anything along those kind of lines, you've probably had an exceptionally good year and congratulations to you. Um, but yeah, I, you know, like all things, it's, it's about the, the averages. Lies, damn lies and statistics, right? Yeah, pretty much. So the, there are a few other kind of interesting um, comments that are brought out in this article. So one is um, they, they talk about remote workers expected to begin returning over the next six to 12 months. And I was a little bit, oh, really? You, you expect it? A, are you expecting like all remote workers to be returning? Because uh, I'm not so sure I would, uh, I would, I would go and uh, bet on that particular boat. And the other thing was around, so they, they do go into a little bit more detail that they expect that the um, number of work from home uh, sort of people is likely to continue uh, to increase and will probably be, you know, the, the guess here is double what it was before the pandemic. I First of all, I think their timelines are very, very optimistic. I. I have no idea what will continue with all things COVID, but I don't think it's going to just disappear over the next six months to the point where we can go, oh, it's all fine. Everybody can mix together again. So there's that. And there's also, there's a comment that on balance, the productivity hit of work from home was either neutral or actually slightly positive. So there was actually an efficiency benefit from people working from home. Mm, who'd have thought it? How 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 sort of uh, how unusual that is? Not sarcasm alert. Um, having been someone that's worked remotely for best part of fifteen years, I can absolutely say that that makes perfect sense. So, yeah. I I don't know. I mean the 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 survey is it does talk about the fact that it's. Um, eighty percent U.S. focus. So there's a there's obviously just a very significant bias mm -hmm. uh, on that side of things. Um, but it it's kind of it's interesting. I I definitely don't agree with uh, all of the sentiment here, but I think there's there's a few interesting points worth worth a bit of discussion. Yeah, I mean, 
it's impossible to predict how what's going to happen here because again the pandemic six months i think is way too short a time frame I, maybe i'm pessimist but i think 12 18 months we're still stuck with this and maybe heading out of the the shadow but apart from that uh, i haven't read the entire article in detail this is one of dave's articles uh credit for credit is due and for me there's kind of counteracting agents happening here because on the one hand there's the enterprises that have to make a decision on whether they want to keep the working from home alive and well even growing or not and probably it's going to be a bit of old style new style companies that i think it's valid here i mean the traditional enterprises they this is new for them and in six months time it'll still be new for them because i think at the moment we're now um three quarters of a year in the whole pandemic let's say people have finally kind of settled it's starting to work out the, the the zoom calls i'm doing less and less often we get the oh this is my first zoom call ever <laughs> so i think yep. we just reached the point where this has become not the new normal but the okay i can do this step and it's going to take a lot longer for this to become the new normal and for companies traditional companies to adopt this there's always been a bit of a, a gray area between yes these kind of roles always work from home these kind of roles never work from home and there's a piece in the middle that eh, kind of up to the company decision basically i mean if you're if you're a nurse in a hospital he or she will definitely have to stay on premise there is no way to do that from home yet if you're an accountant yeah kind of depends i guess what kind of company you're working in and there the companies will have a big say on how they want to do this in the future and it's pretty much going to be dependent on the last mm. 20 years of how they've been working and not the last six months yeah although i think the it is interesting though because you say the companies will have a say and you're right they will have a say in setting like their policy mm -hmm. but it's the employees that will have a say as to where they want to work and like I've I've been talking to a lot of people who have you know the the veil has been lifted and they're like I I don't know that I want to go back to uh, mm -hmm. uh, an office I don't know that I actually I, I find I find a you know whether it's better work life balance or ability to you know see their see their family members at lunchtime or you know whatever it might be that that has you know, improved their quality of life. Um, yeah, but I think we will we'll, we'll see. Well, true, but I think we'll see. We'll see some fairly significant shifts of people around the workplace when when uh, I don't know. It's perhaps a little bit dramatic to say when the battle lines get drawn <laughs> on the remote workers versus the back to the office companies, but. It would not surprise me to to see sort of a, a fairly sizable shift of of people from organization to organization as those organizations set their policies you know a year from now or whatever that ends up being um, yeah it wouldn't surprise me either way to be honest because uh i work at a distributed company so i would was as expecting then when this hit everybody would say yeah we're from home more quality of life more planning ability more productivity all for it and i've actually been kind of surprised in how many people are still hankering to go back to the office because they don't have the room i mean i am fortunate enough to have a nice office 
uh, carved out in the house here, that's a problem for big city people dwellers. Yeah, that's the word. Yep. Um, and also the psychological aspect, there's been a lot of talk. I'm not sure if that's going to be different in the US or Europe, your end, my end, I don't know. But in this part of the world, definitely, there's been a lot of psychological help being offered for people who can't cope working from home, who, yep. don't, who need the interaction, who need to have the office thing. So I think actually what I'm trying to say here, I think, is that it's not about working from home or working on the office. It's about how many days a week will you be in the office and how many days a week will you be at home? And the nine to five, five days a week office, yeah, I can see that has, where possible, had its longest run. But I don't think we're going to go to a majority spending all of the time, of all the offices closing. Yeah. I don't see that happening at all because personally, I wouldn't mind. I've been working this way for the last seven years now. <laughs> But there's a, I'm in a minority, I find. Yeah, no, I think I think that's absolutely fair, and I think the the it, it's going to be less about um, the, the, a blanket statement. It's going to be more about what individuals value the most. Some people are going to value a balance. Some people are going to want to go all in back to the office, and others are going to want to stay as remote as possible with, you know, the occasional. Um, chance for people to get together and, and socialize and it, it's what will be interesting is how organizations try to I guess accept or adapt to that range of uh, needs or requests from their from their employees but yeah it's it is a it's a sort of it's a strange situation when I read an article like this that that seems to paint it in a very black and white sort of way, and it's just I, I don't think it's anywhere near that simple. Yeah. I do, however, think that a lot of the employers that are looking to the future are going to have to start making some real estate decisions because the way offices have been built in the early day, everybody had his office, then you had the open plan offices, blah blah blah. There needs to be, a, there has to come a different kind of office. And while we've been talking now, I've been remembering my final days at Microsoft uh, more over a year ago now. And they actually just finished a full remodel of their office. And Microsoft's always been trying to be, this is the office of the future, come and visit us, this is how it's going to be. And looking back now at to then, their new refurbishment, their new office layout was all based towards working space spaces more of a living room more of a relaxed atmosphere not the desks and chairs there were still desks and chairs for people who wanted them but there were a lot more different modalities of having your work environment and some were very cozy very social some were very distant very silent and they had a whole range in there and i do I, then I, I was kind of wondering what the hell are they thinking i, <laughs> I didn't get it i mean Sorry, I'm a techie. <laughs> I've got my limitations and imagination. Uh, but now with this whole, and this was pre-pandemic, right? But now with all this pandemic yeah. and talking about how these people, have, still the business still need to attract a talent. And how do you attract talent? By having good working conditions. The office yeah. will be a big part of that. And before the pandemic, a good office was, I got free coffee and I got an economic desk and things like that. I wouldn't be surprised if in the future, once this whole thing rolls out, that having more different ways of 
offering different ways of working to your employees will become a major selling point when you're trying to attract uh, yeah. talent. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very very true. It's, and it's as you say, like the the timing the timing of that is very very interesting. I know that um, a major UK bank did a similar thing in um, in what, at least one of their offices. I, I know someone that uh, that works there, and they they created all of these sort of these spaces again this was also pre-pandemic um uh, and but the way that they handled it was a little bit um clumsily because they ended up doing it at a so you each got like um allocated a a slot you know a, a day a week or a half day a week where you know you could come and use this particular space but the way that they rolled it out was that they um like different well different people within the same team would have different slots so it was completely useless because you couldn't actually have a whole team in a in a slot in a space at one time so i'm assuming that that all got fixed and worked out but <laughs> it, it just goes to show you could have the right intentions and you can still implement it badly and regardless it does uh, require an extra amount of trust of the employer in the employee and that makes it even harder for the HR part of hiring new talent it's more I mean the whole idea of uh, you're, you're doing the clock thing in the morning and clocking out in the evening so I know you spent at least eight hours here hopefully working <laughs> uh, that was a lack of trust things have changed dramatically since uh, those days I hope across the yeah. world but yeah. going to the future forward, that's going to get even more a requirement for a good business relationship between the employer and the employee. And that's also going to be a different... How do you hire based on those kind of criteria? How do you, in that 30 minutes of hiring conversation, decide that this is an ethical, hardworking... I don't know what the adverbs are to use here. I mean, as a as a hiring manager for a, a company that was founded as remote first from the very beginning, um, I I get it. Like it is it is very difficult. There are definitely things that you look for, and there are definitely sort of behaviors that you you try and kind of drill into a little bit. But it it absolutely is a leap of faith when you make an offer and you hope that those things work out, and it it's not just it's not just trust between employer and employee it it comes all the way kind of down the line it's it's the trust between the manager and the and and their direct reports it's it's kind of a trust that goes in in both directions and you know you've got people who um you know have adapted to that very well and you've also got people that really struggle with that um, one of the things that I personally always look for is I, I don't really care, you know, whether people are working, you know, nine till five, eight till four, you know, 10 till nine or whatever. And it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be based on the only thing you can really measure, which is the, the, the outcome, mm -hmm. you know, is, is the work getting done to the, to the level and standard that that you you need it to or you expect it to be done but that's obviously something you can only look at after someone's been there and they've gone through the ramp and 
you know, they've, they've absorbed the tech and they've learned and, you know, they're now, they're now a productive citizen. And that's, you know, how far down the line is that? Yeah, that's in, only in, part of it. In my team, in my organization, it, it takes at least three months um, before you can really accurately gauge that. And yeah. so it's, it is a leap of faith. But then I don't, I don't know that that's actually any more different from when you're recruiting people, you know, for an office job nine to five. Okay, maybe you can pick up on some of those things, as you say, like yeah. if someone's consistently half an hour late every every day and, and skips off early, then that probably, you know, raises eyebrows at a at a nine to five office based sort of shop. But beyond that, all recruiting is a bit of a leap of faith and you just have to spend time with with candidates to try and get a, an idea of their personality and an idea of the culture that they're looking for, that you're looking for and how they fit. Yeah, but you, hold, you kind of glossed over a little part there because if you want to be able to measure the employee on their effectiveness, their performance, you need performance goals. They need to you be do. something you compare Absolutely. against. And one of the yeah. biggest things that are missing today is on the management level, managers, aren't used to set SMART, let's use the acronym, it's an old acronym, it's still SMART, SMART yeah. uh, goals. Because it's one thing to say, we're going to look at your performance, but okay, then give me something as employee where I can see if I am living up to expectations or even exceeding them in the best uh, scenario. Yeah. And I've even today, I think, it's hard to find a management structure that is able to give something like that. And it's not easy because it's not like you have to have written 100,000 uh, lines of code. That's not how it I works, mean, right? It's very hard. You to could write 99,000 lines of comments and one line of actual <laughs> code and then job done. But let, let's not get into to counting lines of code for um, developer efficiency because that's a whole new rant that I can disappear off on. But no, I I, I, I completely agree. I. As again, as a as a manager and a, a leader of a team, I think the I spend a lot of time each quarter updating the. We do it um, through OKRs, um, mm -hmm. so that's objectives and key results, yeah. same sort of thing. And it depends the, on how, done, how quantified they are, because if they're very they generic, do. It, I'll be a good then, person. Yeah, which is that's, not. Uh, it, which is not something that is, you know, measurable in any useful way. So yeah, I, I I agree. I think that, but that again is not something that I I specifically um, assign to whether you're working remotely or not. Like you should always, you should always have had smart mm, objectives. Should. And you should, yeah, you really, but you should like the, if you haven't had them and I, I completely agree that there are definitely have been many times during my career where like there have not been such clear objectives and it's just like, well, just do a good job and show up at meetings on time and it'll all be fine, which is not a, um, not a useful or measurable um, set of uh, set of goals that you can align yourself with. Anyway, I think we talked enough about this subject. <laughs> I'm just going to show a little blast from the past because uh, about a year ago we had a good fortune of just oh, before wow, the pandemic yeah. had hit. Sorry, 
have a chat with, oh my god, I forgot his name. Do you remember the name by heart? Uh, Rudolf. Yeah. I had it in my head before I switched to the screen and then I have to say it. I couldn't remember. <laughs> but we had three parts of uh, remoting, uh, remote working and a lot of this, uh, these items, these topics about how do you uh, work with your management, with HR, how do you, what are the do's and don'ts, what is good, what is bad, what are warning flags have been discussed there as well. So if you're in this situation, as we all are, and you have more questions, these are definitely three episodes worth listening to. You can't watch them because those didn't have video yet, but uh, they're still available on YouTube as well. Yeah, yeah, Rudolf was was excellent during that. In fact, we should we should definitely catch up with him um, again see. soon to find out how things have uh, have been going for him at Remotive.io. So, uh, so moving from home working to home networking. Hey, <laughs> see what I did there? Wow, wow. that's next level. So I smooth. Like so I I. This was a, an article that I honestly put in just for funsies. Um, it's all then, you. I didn't have anything to do with this one. This is true. This is true. <laughs> and I, even when I was looking at the link for it, I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. Um, but actually, I, I, I quite like this. So for if you, if you kind of sort of continue to scroll down, this is um, ZTE's range of um, home networking devices um you know various sorts of uh, home gateways and routers and wireless access points and and things like that and i i have to say for for what is usually a fairly like fairly awful set of of kind of aesthetics even things like the the, the zt smart wireless router that uh, Jan is showing at the moment like this this white aesthetic with or what I'm certain is fake wood, um, like is actually I think it's a really good look. And even the earlier <laughs> images of of some of their other devices, you know that whole sort of. I mean, I think they talk about it as it looking like a a simple box style, like a cutout from a plaster block. Um, but you know this slightly curved look, this plain really and clean aesthetic, yeah. I, I actually, I really like this. I, I'm so used to, especially like consumer wireless um, technology. Like if you, I, I remember seeing someone take a, a wireless router out of a box a couple of years ago, and it just looked like um, the worst kind of robot vomit is the only thing I can think of to describe it. It looked like, uh, the F one one seven stealth fighter, like all angry, angry and angular, and sort of sharp, and it it looked like if you fell on it, you know, it would it would eviscerate you in multiple kind of different locations, and it just it just looked terrible. And I think for the most part, consumer, especially consumer networking equipment, for the most part, either looks pretty awful in in that sort of sense. Or just looks thoroughly bland and, and nondescript with no style to it whatsoever. So I don't know. That's that's, that's my view. But I like this. I think this is actually nice. This is I mean, I have no no desire to actually purchase any ZTE kit, <laughs> ah. but 
I think if I if I was in the uh, if I was looking for a piece of networking gear that didn't look awful, that you know was was going to be out and on show, I think this is actually quite nice. And uh, for a, for an article that I was expecting to just laugh at and close the tab immediately, Which I, I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I mean. This is stuff you're going to plunk in a broom closet and never look at twice. So I don't care what it looks like. It has to be boxy, square, that I can shove it in beneath the empty available space. And this is just like, I mean, how big is the Apple tax on this? The whole design. I don't want to, I don't want to know what these things cost because they're, what was it again? Harmonious, unpolished plaster blocks. I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, if you like this kind of stuff, great. But I do take a big uh, offense at your robotic vomit because this <laughs> is my pet and he does not hey, like you anymore. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with an Ivo. I'm a huge, I've been a huge fan of the, uh, of the, of the Sony Ivo for a very, very long time. And in fact, there's a, um, there's a great, um, documentary about the the Ibo culture in Japan. Um, you know, many decades later, you know, obviously at this point, like the original first and second generation Ibos are, you know, many of them are, have uh, have you know left this world and and, and shrugged off their mortal toil, and uh, their owners like have shrines for them. And there are support groups for people that have lost their their ibo that is no longer working and it it's and there are also people who are continuing to sort of refurbish them and and all that sort of thing and it's it, it's honestly it's i love the ibo i think it's a really really cool idea so don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not hating on the ibo but if you look at i think what was it i think it was like the netgear uh, oh, Nightfork. Yeah. If yeah, if if you look at like yeah, just do a Google Images for Netgear Nighthawk, and then see the the array of of yeah hit no hit uh, images. Look at look at that hideous That's array beautiful. of 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 this, this robot this. vomit there. It's just oh, they look they look so bad. It looks like a Star so, Wars ship. It looks so very bad. It, oh, no. And they get worse and worse. Here, this one, the Asus one. That's the biggest one. That's the nicest one. <laughs> it's just... And so I... My personal... Again, it's all it's all personal opinion. And all these things are personal opinions. But, yeah, I would rather have something that, that's clean and, and white and unobtrusive and blends into the background than... One of these horrible, nasty, yes, accidentally <laughs> eviscerating <laughs> chunks of ugly black plastic. Anyway. Anyway, the feng shui has been saved by Dave today. Exactly. Everyone, everyone needs a bit of a bit of feng shui. So, anything else from you? Uh, no. With that uh, bloody insult on my pet, you can take it away. Well, in that case, that is all the time we have for today. As always, uh, we love our Patreons, and you can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps, 
and uh, it helps us rant about terrible, terrible, terrible plastic consumer hardware. We're on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all the YouTube things. You can also go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at roaringelephant tag, and you can send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Send us pictures of terrible consumer networking gear. Until next time, my name is Dave. And my name is I Welcome Our Robot Overlords, Jon. <laughs> and we look forward to talking to you next week. Good luck.